secret art of business? The creative side of our brain and the business side of our brain may seem like two separate entities, but they are actually interconnected and complementary. The creative side of our brain can bring fresh and innovative ideas to the table, while the business side of our brain can turn these ideas into practical and profitable solutions. By tapping into both the creative and business side of our brains, we can find a balance between risk-taking and practicality, leading to more success and fulfillment in both our personal and professional lives. I'm Katherine Lane Klein, entrepreneur and creative person, and in this podcast, we will hear success stories from people that are doing exactly that, and hopefully giving you ideas of how you can too. Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Secret Art of Business, and today I am very excited to have as a guest, Dr. Mark Williams, because he is a brain genius. And as I said off camera, he's a bit of a Renaissance man because he has written books on this. He is a professor. He does all sorts of great things. And just kind of reading just like the overview of what you've done, it's it's, it's so fascinating to me. And I really think it's gonna be fascinating to the guests as well. So with that, I will let you take the mic and tell us about what you have been doing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what I've been doing. Um, that's yeah, huge question. Um, <laughs> I recently got back from Solomon Islands. That was fun. Um, oh, wow. That, <laughs> yeah, that was really cool. Um, that was a surfing trip. So that was a whole different topic. We'll get to um, that. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> um, what have I been doing? I just finished, um, my book has just come out, which is really, really cool. Um, so that was a, a COVID project. <laughs> during COVID, there was lots of lockdowns here in Australia. I'm in Australia, so we we uh, the government locked us down m- many times, and I needed something to do rather than uh, watching all that nonsense that was on on TV and on on the internet. So, so you you might as well write it down. Might as well write it down. Yeah, it was something I wanted to do for about 15 years. I, I actually had a, a uh, an editor contact me m- many years ago, and we'd started talking about different books, and yeah, there there was there was multiple chapters for multiple different books that, that were there. And then all of a sudden I went, nah, this is the one I've got to write. Um, so especially because of the situation we were in at the time, but also because of the situation we've been in for about the last 10 years and we continue to be in, which is, you know, we're, we're way too busy today and we're way less productive than we've ever been. Um, and I think that's a real problem. And we're also less connected with each other than we've ever been. And, and again, I think that's a real problem for us as a species because connection is so important for us, especially for, for leaders um, and people who, well, everybody, everybody's got to be more connected than we than we are and learn how to reconnect with each other and give each other the time. But because we're too busy, we're not actually giving each other the time, which means that we can't connect, which means that we're busy because we're all trying to get stuff done and we're not getting any of it done because we're not connected with each other and we're not collaborating. It's called Connected Species and, and they can purchase this now, right? I mean, it, it is available. Yeah, 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 it was out on the 15th of August, so definitely out there. Um, and everyone, yeah, can purchase it now. And it's been doing extremely well, which is awesome. Um, I'm really pleased with the way it's Everything that you talked about, I think, is is very, you know, resonates with everybody right now. Everything you said, you know, I I, I feel like I'm, I'm working too hard but getting less done. I don't feel I'm, I'm connected. And so if someone were to pick up this book, what are some of the insights that you think? You don't, don't read us the whole book, but (laughs) (laughs) I want, I want, you know, just a teaser. So people will buy the book, but what sort of things um, would be in it that you, you found, you know, were worth sharing with people. It's like, you know what, people got to know this. 
Yeah, so every chapter, at the end of each chapter, I do a little summary. So you can just read the summaries at the end of each chapter. If you want. <laughs> I had someone recently say, it was great because I could just read all the summaries and now I know, and I was like, well, there's more than that. But anyway, um, and then there's a, a, a tip at the end of each chapter as well. So there's a tip that you can actually implement into your life to actually improve things like communication. Um, easy things just like uh, turning off your notifications on your phone. I mean, that has a huge impact on our productivity and our mental health. And so if you just turn off your notifications, all the notifications on your phone and use the phone as a phone, like actually um, talk to people on the phone, you get a lot more information from who you're actually talking to. Um, because when you talk to someone, you can hear the prosody of their voice, you can hear the intonation of the voice. So you, you know if they're enjoying what you're saying or whether or not they're getting frustrated by it and so on. Whereas when we text and do all those things, there's lots of confusion and there's lots of um, miscommunication when we do it that way. So, yeah, turning off all the notifications and you choose, you schedule into your day when you're going to actually check your phone, then you're huge, you're much more productive and your mental health improves within about two two weeks. So you get improvement in mental health and you get improvement in productivity. So that's one of the simple tips that you can do today that will actually help. And there's lots of those all the way through it. Other things like just when, you know, when you're talking to someone to actually stop when they finish talking and so you have a gap so that they realise that you're actually thinking about what they just said. A lot of people now, when we listen to conversations now, we see that people don't have a gap in between one person talking and the next person talking like we used to 20 years ago because we're busy and we're trying to tell them what we need to tell them so that we can get out of there. <laughs> and they know that. And so, therefore, they don't actually listen to what we have to say because of the fact that they know, hey, this person's not actually listened to what I have to say, so why should I listen to what they have to say? Um, and so... Yeah, lead, especially leaders, especially people who are actually trying to run a business or run a company, when they're talking to people, they need to actually give that little gap, which feels odd these days because we don't normally do it, but give that gap so the other person knows this person's actually listening to what I'm saying. They're actually now thinking about what I'm saying and they're going to respond to what I've said and then respond to what they've said and then tell them what you want them to do. Otherwise, yeah, there's no connection there, so you don't actually get anything from them. Um, so, yeah, lots of tips like that, but also how our brain has evolved and how our brain actually works, not not some of the nonsense that's out there, but how it actually works and how we can actually be more productive and more innovative and more creative and more connected with each other, which, you know, just, just connecting, having people in your life that you could spend time with, that you actually sit down face-to-face -face and spend time with on a regular basis that you trust. Well, actually, some of the evidence now suggests it will increase your lifespan by 10 to 15 years by just doing that on a regular basis. It'll also decrease the likelihood that you have Alzheimer's disease and dementia and um, other neurodegenerative diseases later on. And it's the best cure for mental health issues such as depression and anxiety than any drug we currently have on the market. So it's hugely beneficial to us just to sit down with people we trust and chat with them, but we don't do that nearly enough these days. I, I you know, I'm trying, I'm really being mm -hmm. self-conscious now. <laughs> <laughs> putting that pause in. So I, I sat very quietly and I'm very proud of myself because I'm listening to you. That is really interesting. Okay, so let's just say what um, changes in our brain when we are actually sitting and having a conversation with somebody versus just texting or something. Ah, beautiful. So there's a whole bunch of neurotransmitters that are released when we're, so the neurotransmitters are just the chemicals in our brain that connect to different neurons that make them active. And, and, when you actually sit down with someone, uh, well, when you meet someone face-to-face, -face, the first thing we always do is, is touch them. Uh, 
appropriately touch them. So in stoic societies like here in, in the US, we will shake hands with each other. Um, in Europe, they'll kiss each other on the cheek. In you know, Even the Inuits will rub noses because it's only part of their skin that's actually showing. Now, the reason we do that is we as mammals have sea fibres on our skin and those sea fibres on our skin only activate to touch. They don't activate to anything else but touch from someone else. And that activates an area of our brain which releases oxytocin. And oxytocin actually makes us more willing to connect to the person we're talking to. It makes us more open to be in a relationship with that person, so actually communicate with that person. And it makes us more trusting of that individual. So you can just snort oxytocin and the person is more likely to lend you money, is more likely you know, to, to have a relationship with you and so on. But you don't have to snort it. You can just touch the person and touch <laughs> appropriately, of course, and you've got to do it appropriately, of course. So that's the first thing that happens when we actually meet meet someone um, that we don't get when we're online. And, and it's really important, neurotransmitter, and you don't get any oxytocin when you're interacting online. So you don't get that opening up of the brain to actually connect with the person. You then get serotonin because serotonin is released in relation to our um, mirror neuron system. So when we're opposite each other in a real situation, you, you see the whole body. Whereas when you're online, even if you're talking like this, you only see the upper part of their body. When, when we're face-to-face in that situation, um, our mirror neuron system, which actually activates to, to somebody else moving, it activates every time we see them move. So if they're, say, slumped forward and feeling quite depressed, our mirror neuron system activates, it then activates the muscles in our body to do the same thing. So we feel the same as them, and then we mirror their emotions. So we actually understand how they're feeling. And because our, our motor system activates, we'll usually do the same thing so that they see that we're understanding how they're actually feeling. So you get a better connection to the two people. And, and that happens and, and releases uh, serotonin um, and then a whole bunch of other endorphins associated with that link between the two people. We, we also know now that once you actually connect, there's some beautiful studies with, with teachers and students that once they, they connect on that level with those, those um, interactions, um, their brains actually sync up. So our brains are actually, you know, oscillate in different areas. And our brains, yeah, if you actually connect, so the students and the teachers that are actually connected, they'll get into synchronisation when the teacher's actually trying to teach them something, whereas the students and the teachers who aren't will oscillate at different frequencies, so they're not actually in sync with each other. So your brain actually gets in sync when you're face-to-face. But, again, you can't get that online because you don't get the oxytocin and serotonin being released when you're actually doing that. So all of those things, plus the endorphins that are released because of that relationship and because of those neurotransmitters, um, we don't get online and we do get face-to-face, which are really, really important. You've also got things like eye gaze. So when we're online, a lot of people will have them, their uh, camera uh, too low, so they'll have it below eye level. And when you do that, it actually looks as though the person's looking down at you, which is a very aggressive stance to have. And our brain automatically goes, this person's been aggressive towards me. You don't realise it because it's happening in you know, the areas of your brain that you don't have access to. But you, you have a physiological response to it, that this person is being aggressive. So what you need to do is if you've got to do stuff online, you've got to move your camera up above your eye level, at your eye level or above your eye level. So then you're actually looking from a, a, a lower position to them and they'll feel as though you're actually being submissive towards them and therefore they're more likely to connect with you. And, and then there's also things like facial expressions. We don't get as much of, of the facial expression. So when we're... Um, 
if we're texting or if we're um, doing those things, we, we don't, uh, yeah, see their facial expressions so we don't see the reactions to them. And, and that is, again, contagious through this mirror neuron system. So we, we need all of those feedback mechanisms so that we can actually relate to someone much better. Um, and then also, you know, prosody of the voice and so on uh, with the phone. And then you've got eye gaze, which is, uh, yeah, I won't go into all that. There's, there's yeah, a whole gamut of things that happen face-to-face that just don't happen online and can't be replicated online. Um, and so, therefore, we've got to spend more time face-to-face. I've only been talking to you for, like, about 11 minutes and you completely blow my mind with all of this stuff <laughs> because it is just so utterly fascinating and I think incredibly helpful for people to understand why that all of this is important. Even if you are if you are in a situation where you have to do Zoom calls or whatever, you know, um, some really, really great tips just for better communication and connection with people, which I, I think is, you know, just amazing. So um, thank you for that. And um, because this, this podcast is about left and right brain connection, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you some questions regarding that. So I, through my own experience, believe that if I don't do something creative or some, anything with the left, right side of my brain, I do start feeling depressed. I start feeling overly tired. I feel like I'm working harder than I should. Can we talk a little bit about the science of that and how you do have to, I, and I always refer to people, you know, it, it's imagine trying to get out of a chair using only one leg. You can do it, <laughs> but it's really hard. <laughs> and if you use both legs, it's a lot easier. And it's the same with your brain in that if you use both sides, you know, your whole life is just going to be easier. It's going to be easier to find your passion, to be more successful and things like that. So rather than me thinking I'm right, can you tell me I'm right <laughs> with the <laughs> science of that? <laughs> yeah, I think there, there's some important aspects to being creative um, for us as humans. When, when we're being creative, we, we get into the flow. I mean, I'm sure you understand this where we're, we're actually almost it's a med, it's almost like a meditative state right and I think it's really important to have those periods of time where you get into that meditative state because it releases a whole bunch of neurotransmitters endorphins and so on that we don't get when we're, we're just busy when we're just trying to get stuff done and we're trying to grind through that all those sorts of things so I think one of the things, yeah, being creative really does, and there's a lot of evidence for this, is it gets you into that meditative state, which, you know, decreases your heart rate, decreases your stress levels, de- decreases um, a whole bunch of uh, chemicals in, in your body and in your brain that, that are very toxic to us. They, they keep us stressed because we do need a certain amount of stress in our lives. Otherwise, we wouldn't bother getting out of bed in the morning, for example. We need that stress to actually go, let's go, let's do things, let's get fed, That's let's good. get, you know, and so on. But you, you, you don't want that constantly. And you, and you think about us as humans because most of the time, I mean, this crazy world that we live in now has only really happened in the last few hundred years. And prior to that, we were living much more simple lives and we were living lives where we would spend a lot of time um, actually just sitting around a campfire or just sitting around waiting for things to happen. We would have the food and so on. So we, we, we had a lot more leisure time. Uh, and during those times, we would have done things with each other that were creative. That's why, you know, we have rock paintings and we have all these things that we're discovering now because they had that extra time. And, and that was a way of actually decreasing their stress levels so that they could actually respond 
when when things stressful happened, when when a lion came along and they had to respond to it, or when they had to go out hunting or whatever, but they weren't doing that all the time. And so we need times when we're actually doing the opposite. We're actually slowing down. And I think being creative allows us to do that, and therefore get more in touch with our unconscious side of our brains, which I think is really important. Um, I don't like talking about conscious and unconscious because there isn't really isn't very good definitions of. But I talk about your working memory, which is what you're aware of at any point in time, which is really limited, and that's what you're using when you're working hard. And then you have your long-term memory, which is where all the creative stuff happens, and, and you've got to sort of slow down or, or, or quieten your working memory so that you can get access to that long-term memory. And that's why uh, people like Einstein um, talk about, you know, he, his th- all his theories came to him when he was sleeping because that's when he was quiet. He's brain was quiet and he was actually relaxing and he had these dreams because he had access to that long-term memory. So, yeah, we, we need to have that time when we stop using our working memory and actually just relax and enjoy something, enjoy a process that, that will get rid of those extra toxins that we've got in our body and our, in our brain so that we can get access to our long-term memory so that we can um, enjoy our lives. Plus, it's enjoyable, right? I mean, most people who are creative get really enjoy that process and we need times in our lives when when we have that and i I find that with surfing i i I find that with playing guitar (laughs) i do a whole bunch of different things that that relax me i have a a very good friend who has a huge lab at nih in the us um and and, uh, i mean they're doing amazing work but he has uh um, a whole bunch of things that he juggles. <laughs> and so he gets into that state by juggling. And he's an amazing juggler. He juggles knives, he juggles um, all different things, and he's done that for years. And so when he's getting stressed or when he can't get through on a paper or there's data that he can't work out or there's, you know, problems with funding or whatever it happens to be, yeah, he'll he'll juggle for half an hour, which again gets him into that meditative state. But I think it's that they switch to that different state of mind that is really, really important that we all need to be doing more often. Right. And I, I'm sure there are many people that are listening or just in life in general that sometimes get their best ideas when they are in the shower or like you said, when they yeah. are, when they have to wake up and they have an idea and it's because that you have finally relaxed that stressful side. I like, I also refer to it as my driven side. You know, that's the part that of me that's like, got to work. I got to work, got to work because I got to get ahead. I got to you know keep track. I got to you know take on more things and I have to fill all this time. And, you know, I have to be productive and, you know, all the things that we, we tell ourselves that it is the right thing. Um, but then on, on the other hand, when I do stuff that, and I'm, I'm not saying, you know, you don't have to paint. I mean, I do paint, but there are other things that I do. Some of you you know, like take walks and they meditate, they have a glass of wine maybe three glasses of wine. Those are a little bit too much of a quick fix. <laughs> so I really like to encourage people to do things that, I mean, are just, it's like, it's a non-work thing and it can't be a cheat either. And you touched upon the fact that you do surfing and guitar, which I think is fantastic. And I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that means like recently you, you have done both of those things. But um, what did you do when you were a kid that was not, you know, not chores related, not school related. Not, I mean, it was just a free thinking, fun, imaginative time for you. <laughs> um, yeah, I did a lot of different things. So I used to, uh, me and friends used to um, build push bikes. So we, we used to pull different push bikes where we'd find secondhand push bikes and pull them apart and then build new push bikes with, you know, funny handlebars and 
you know, big wheel on the front and tiny wheel on the back. And we used to do all bizarre things um, with the push bikes, which we used to love doing. And we, yeah, and then we'd ride them around and think we were really cool. Yeah, that used to be really fun and, and it was very um, creative because, yeah, we, we'd do some weird, weird things with these, you know, little dolly wheels sometimes on the back wheel. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> that was very fun. Um, and I used to, um, along with that, I used to build a lot of things. Um, you know, we built multiple tree houses that then got ripped down by the local council because we weren't Aww. supposed to build them. Um, but, you know, that, that just meant we had to go and build another one somewhere else where we, Correct. yeah, but they didn't know we'd built it. Um, yeah, so a lot of things like that, I was very creative in that sort of way. Um mm-hmm. I, I'm, I've never been good at drawing. I wish I was. I have a very good friend who's who's amazing artist and writes kids' books and draws, um, and, and it's beautiful. And I wish I could do that. My daughter does. She's an amazing. Oh wow! She does a lot of yeah drawing, um, which I wish I could do. But I'm not in that way. But I'm more more of the yeah build the bigger things, um, which I enjoy doing. But that's what I used well, to I, do. Yeah, I'm that's pretty what I sure I can't build a, I can't build a tree fort or. We dismantle and rebuild a push cart. So, our push bike. So, uh, you know, we all have our strengths. <laughs> we all do have and, our strengths. Um, and you, how did you, but then how did you get into this sort of work? You know, you um, obviously you know, like to use your hands to build things and, or to, you know, kind of figure things out. So, how did you end up getting into brain study and writing books about this sort of thing? You know, what was kind of like the catalyst that, push you into this field of work um yeah i actually had um yeah i i I had a very different background to most academics so i i actually hated school my mother had mental health issues i grew up in a small country town and there was a lot of violence in the town um and so i was a truant most of my younger years um Mm -hmm. it wasn't until i was 25 um and i two of my friends had drug overdoses and there was a bunch of other things that happened in my life. And so I went, I've got to do something different. So I went back to, uh, you'd call it community college in the US. We call it TAFE over here. Um, and so I went back to, to do my final year um, only because I just wanted to, to to change. I just wanted to see if there was other options out there. And there was a physics teacher who I think because I was older than most of the students there, he saw something in me and just convinced me that I was a lot more intelligent than I thought I was. I really didn't think I was intelligent at all. Um, I'd always got really bad marks. Um, my principal actually, when I was 16, told me I'd be dead or in prison by the time I was 25, so I should get an apprenticeship. Yeah, so so he convinced me to go to university, so I did. Um, and I really wanted to work out, why my mother was the way she was, why my family was the way it was, why I was the way I was. Um, so I enrolled in a uh, Bachelor of Science and I did a double major in psychology and in physiology, um, which, yeah, sort of was my way of trying to work out what was going on with me. Um, and then also the physiology because I loved um, science. You know, I'd love building things, so I love pulling things apart and working out. And I wanted to pull out part, you know, the body and work out what what was um, how our bodies worked, but, you know, I ended up getting stuck on the brain because it's such a complex and such an interesting thing. Um, and it's it's who we are, right? Our brain is everything we are and everything. All, yeah. yeah, so it was fascinating to actually get into that and get into how the neurons work and the neurotransmitters and uh, it was, yeah, fascinating and I just got obsessed with, with obviously got obsessed with it. 
ended up at MIT. So yeah, I went up, went from uh, yeah, a, a truant at school to to working at MIT. I mean, that is not uh, overnight. <laughs> no, no. But I, I mean, that is really an amazing story and such a positive one. And you know, I I will applaud first of all for a teacher for saying something because a similar thing happened to me and I did not, I came from no means at all. And it was a teacher in um, the fifth grade that said, Hey, you know what? You're an artist and you know, we need to get you some art supplies so you can keep doing it. And never, never went across my mind to get into something like that. And I really love that you um, chose the brain too, because that's almost like the best body part to just take apart and in a way, put it back together, you know, figure out how the freaking thing works because it is so complex yeah. and it does so much for us. I mean, it, it is, like I said, it's like it's like the best thing that you could have chosen, I guess, in a way. So what would you still like to do? You are a very accomplished person. You, you could just surf off into the sunset, I suppose, at some point. Um, but is there still something that you still would like to do? You know, is there some research or some... Um, thing about the brain that still, you know, you, you it's like, I want to dig in a little deeper on this. Um, per- personally, I think that book, I mean, I, that's a little bit of a mic drop, as you say. <laughs> and I, I, I'm really hoping that does w- well. And I will be, I think, purchasing it after I hang up with you because it, I just think it sounds so fascinating. Thank you. But what else is still undone for you? Yeah, so I'm, I'm now working with both schools and businesses um, my big dream is to create a more brain healthy world. It's, I, I think we've gone through this weird transition where it's really unhealthy the way we're living and the way, especially for our brains. And we're seeing yes. intelligence is dropping, right? We've, we've actually got a decrease in intelligence for the first time in our history. Our, our intelligence over the last 10 years has been going down rather than up, which is just, which is scary, right? It's de evolution. People, you know, mental health is going through the roof. Um, we've got issues with suicide and we've got issues with loneliness, um, de- Alzheimer's disease and other neurodegenerative diseases that are occurring at a younger and younger age. So we're, even though we're living longer, we're not living better when we get older. Um, and there's simple changes we can make both in organisations um, and in schools and, and in our own lives that, that can decrease the likelihood of those things happening and, and improve our lives and improves our brain. So that's my big focus now. I know it's a huge dream to do that, but I say I'm doing it one organisation at a time um, and that's what I'm doing. I'm just plodding along. Um, but that's what I, I love doing that now because it makes such a big impact on people's lives um, and getting leaders to actually appreciate that they can make much, much bigger profits um, by actually having a brain-healthy organisation because everybody within the organisation is, is happy. They're all more creative. They're more innovative. They're actually working with each other and supporting each other. They don't have as many sick days. They're more likely to stay so you don't have turnover issues and um it's and it's fantastic for the people within the organization because they love what they're doing and they want to stay at the organization and and it doesn't matter what organization is we can do that um it's just we need a shift in the way we actually are running organizations and schools as well i work with a lot of schools as well because you know i saw the difference that a a teacher made to me and as you as you said everyone's you know a lot of people have got those examples and it's like i I just want teachers to understand and schools to understand the teachers need time with the students 
That's what they actually need. They need to actually connect with the students and they need time mm -hmm. with the students. We need to get rid of this idea of, you know, them filling in forms and then doing tests and because we know all of that doesn't work. What they need to do is connect, right? It's, we, we were actually designed, uh, our brains evolved so that we would connect on a deep level and then we'd learn from each other. And so that's what we need teachers to be doing, connecting with their students on a deep level. And then the, teach, the, the students will just be sponges for whatever they, they want them to do. Um, but we don't give teachers enough time to do that. And again, we don't give leaders enough time. And we're all, we're all too busy. We're, we're busier now than we've ever been, but we're getting less done. We're less productive as individuals. I mean, I'm that's just, just nuts, say, right? And we what all are we feel... doing anyway with all this talking? <laughs> not much. Yeah. yeah, no, not much at all, right? So, yeah, that, that's what I'm working on. That's a, I know it's a huge, huge call, but um, I'm doing it one organisation at a time. I'm plodding along and it's, it's doing – and I love getting emails from people saying, you know, how much better everything is and how much they're loving life and how much better their relationships at home are as well as, you know, the fact that the organisation is going better and, and, you know, staff turnovers dropped and all these things. Or, or, or from students who have gone, yeah, after I presented it and gone, I want to go to university now, how do I do it? And they've never thought of it before. So it's great. I love it. I love what I'm doing now. I, I love what you're doing too. I, I, I think it's – I'm uh, – do not have to hard sell me on this. I'm a firm believer and I'm trying to affect that in my little part of the world. Like I said, with entrepreneurs and with business leaders and anybody who wishes to be one, you know, it, it you don't, don't make it harder on yourself. You know, we can, there are things you can do where you can be better connected with people where you can. And I mean, networking is a big part of success too. It's like a lot of it's who, you know, so yeah, those connections, it's, it's about, you know, giving your brain a break because you're going to, come back. Well, think about And I, I was thinking about like vacations, for example, too, like, and I don't, I don't know how it is, you know, where you live, but you know, for me, at, at least at first, when I would get really wound up in business, you could say, I'm going to take a week off. But those first three or four days is just the unwinding period. And you don't really go on vacation till about day four or five or things like that. And that should not be the case. I mean, it should be like, you know, close the computer and I'm not going to look at anything for the next full week, you know, um, but we're not really programmed like that where we, we've been conditioned to think differently. And that comes at a, a young age when, like you said, kids are being over tested and not, and, and they're in packed classrooms and not getting that attention with the teacher and things like that. So I think all of that is, is awesome. And, you know, we, if we all just kind of do our part and recognize this either in ourselves or in other people or in organizations, um, I think we could hopefully cover a lot more ground rather than you feeling like you need to take this burden on yourself. So yeah. maybe also too. Yeah. You know, I think you can... that's... Go ahead. Sorry. I think that's a real shift in the idea that well, I think in society now we think of it as competition. It's always a competition. Whereas we need to think of that, think of it as a collaboration. And Absolutely. if we collaborate, we get further. And that's really the important thing that we need to get into everybody's and change that, that idea that we're always in competition with each other um, because we're yes. not. We need yes. to collaborate with each other. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. We can, we can totally end it on that right there. Dr. <laughs> Dr. Williams, that, that was just, I mean, it was a real joy for me to have this conversation with you. You are just so knowledgeable and I, I love what you're doing and um, I really appreciate your time. Um, to coming on this podcast and, and sharing your, your wisdom. So thank you. Thank you again so much. Thank you for having me. It was really lovely to chat with you. Thank you for listening to the podcast. 
The Secret Art of Business is supported by Portfolio Creative. Portfolio Creative is a recruiting and staffing company specializing in finding marketing talent. Go to PortfolioCreative.com to get started in finding your next marketing person or your next job. We are experts. We are creative. We are good humans. Please subscribe or follow this podcast to get the latest episodes. And let me know if there's someone you think of that would be a great guest on the show. Here we can build a community that believes creativity and drive can work together.